Welcome to another In My Feels. Uh, this one's actually a really special one for me because I actually invited my brother, Josh, Joshua Al Shammer, onto the In My Feels podcast. Uh, he's a CrossFit uh, Games athlete. He's the the ranked fittest in the UK uh, for 2021. Tons of sponsorship with Puma, Wit Fitness, and now a company is going to feed him for the next year, which yep. is great um, because he eats a lot of food. Uh, he's also featured in a b- bunch of public publications, including Men's Health, and he's now uh, training uh, for an Olympic triathlon. How do I know this? Because he's got me training along with him, and I'm dying every day. Um, but you know, before we start. Um, you know, I ask the same question to every guest is thoughts, feelings, emotions, conditioning, everything on the inside creates your outside exterior. So my question for you, Josh, is how are you feeling right now in this moment? I mean, I'm sure you probably hear this quite a lot, but I feel great. And I've, <laughs> uh, it's, it's, I haven't always felt great my whole life. Mm. Um, but in this moment in time, life is good. Everything is treating me well. Um, all of my desires are starting to come true. Maybe I'm spending a lot of time around you and hearing the way you think and the way you do things and that's rubbing off on me. But personally, I feel great. There we go. How do I feel? Hmm. Um, I feel actually pretty good today. I, I mean, we, we did... Um, tired from the run? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know what that... What was that? What would we constitute that run as? So we just did... This morning's run was a 10-minute warm-up. We did six rounds of a minute easy, two minutes hard, minute easy, and then 10-minute cool down. So it's like 44 minutes of just running. Amazing. And bearing in mind, everyone who's listening, like I go for like a light jog, maybe a four mile jog. And I, you know, I have my um, audio books on my breathing through my nose per James Nestor. So I'm in kind of a zone. And then Josh kind of has, has, who's now living in LA with, with not with me per se, but is in, in LA. And we've been, um, I guess, training for the last couple of days. Well, I mean, we've been running for a little bit now. We've been doing a bit of running, but the focus has changed a little bit for me, obviously, for what I'm training for. And I'm just kind of throwing that focus on you. So, I mean, just to get some kind of background, before I dive deep into the kind of spiritualness, I've never had a conversation like this with, with, with my brother, Josh. I mean, we speak about spiritual stuff all the time, but not in an essence of a podcast or a dive deep into the, the mental state of someone who's an athlete or, you know, that, that kind of connotation of... Because I feel like, well, you know, when I run, I'm in meditation. So when you work out, you must, you probably call it something else. It's probably focus for you, but meditation is focusing on one thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to see the meditation element of it now. I'm really finding in my training, actually, I think why I'm at peace with myself in day-to-day life is because I'm going into these lengthy training sessions. And actually in that moment in time, I don't feel, think anything. My mind is just free. It's blank. And actually... Any kind of pressures that I have from the day, they may come back after the session, but it's the only real time for me where nothing, I mean, my phone's not with me, you know, I've got my session written up, everything is just switched off apart from that focus in the moment. So that for me is my meditation. That's great. I mean, that's, that's kind of the, 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 the practical version of living in the now, mm-hmm. um, which is very hard to do. I mean, I try and try and practice it. Sometimes I, I wander off into past and future bullshit which usually then ends up in anxieties and fucking stressing about shit that doesn't exist or shit that's already happened that doesn't matter anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess in what you do, because you're lifting such heavy weights and, and what you're doing is the fitness aspect of it. You can't, your mind can't afford to be anywhere else. No. Safety-wise, right? Yeah. Yeah, and you have to be completely switched on in, in what you're doing. I'm actually finding now for me as well, when I don't train, so like 
I've had a few weeks where I finished my season. I had a bit of an off season. I'm actually really unhappy, mm. which is crazy because when I, you don't train, when I don't train, okay. yeah. because I think about so much, my mind is just constantly churning thoughts. And I'm thinking about all these different things that I don't need to think about that don't actually make any change to my life. Yeah. Whereas when I train, I'm able to let go of everything. So I'm definitely becoming one of those people that I know later on in life, I'm going to have to stay active for the rest of my life. So, so d- just to find the things that you don't want to think about, is it like I- I'm not good enough or what I'm doing is not the right path not, or just to some, some... I'm not doing enough. Okay. I'm not doing enough. I'm not focused enough. I'm not, you know, if I have, a, if I have some downtime where I eat kind of what I want or I relax a little bit, then I start to think, am I really an athlete? Are athletes doing this? But then the minute I get back into the gym and I've, I spend a week in training, I'm like, oh shit, I'm actually doing everything. <laughs> I'm actually okay. At I'm, this. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm good at what I do. So, I mean, just to kind of give some background, because for me too, because I mean, I know about what you do and stuff, but I don't think I know in detail. I've seen you in the gym and I'm like, I can't do that. So therefore my focus isn't really that. Mm-hmm. And I know that you work super fucking hard every day in the gym. You could if you wanted to. Yeah, I could, but I just don't want to. <laughs> That's a different thing then. I mean, so for example, we did, I don't know how many, what did we do? Like a 6K? Today it was 7.5. 7.5K? Yeah. Okay, there we go. And then I came back and showered and went into the office and was just like, body's killing me. What did you do after that? Went back to the gym for two hours. To do what? So I did more kind of a gymnastic-based session, um, a little bit of strength element in there. So it consisted of things like pull-ups, um, L-sit holds, um, which is predominantly core work. Um, I did over 250 push-ups in my session today. I did over 300 squats. So like... So fuck me, you were tired. Yeah. Jesus. Okay, so I mean, just, just for clarification. So when I, like, for example, when I run, I solely breathe through my nose. Mm-hmm. And, and this run was a little different because it was more focused on maintaining a slower pace mm-hmm. And then progressing into a faster pace and then recovering for a, for a, a period of time and then doing it all over again, six rounds. Mm-hmm. And for me, it felt really good because it was a meditation for me because I was focusing only on my breath. There was something coming in of my, you know, my calves hurting or my heels are hurting or my ankles. Hurting. I was like, no, 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 no. Focus on my breath, which is kind of like the, the daily thing. How did you, I mean, I felt fucking amazing after that run. Mm-hmm. Well, how, how, I mean, I guess you going, I mean... But I was also tired, so I couldn't imagine doing another two-hour session. Well, you, how do you kind of you release a shitload of endorphins, right? So when yeah. you exercise, that's what you naturally do. So no matter how tired you are, you are going to feel great. That's the benefit of working out. You may find later on in the day you start to tire out, especially if it's a new thing for you. It's not for you, but I'm saying if anyone's listening and it's a new thing, you might find your first kind of week, two weeks, very hard. No matter what kind of training you're doing, but over time, those endorphins that you're releasing actually churn out extra energy so your body learns to adapt and you create more energy you become more productive so yeah i mean afterwards i i was tired my body hurt but i felt good you know yeah 30 minutes later i was back in the gym and i was going again have have you ever read the book atomic habits no so it's obviously about a book of habits Mm -hmm. good habits bad habits and how to replace a bad habit with a good habit i guess now for you it's it's atomic or or automatic i don't are both are both correct i would say automatic (laughs) so because like for me now running is second nature i've been doing it for like six i don't know how long eight months Mm -hmm. so i can run like without feeling i'm tired i mean let's backtrack you've been running for a long time you'd Uh, that's true football like your body knows how to do this stuff yeah but yeah but i'm talking about retraining my Mm -hmm. lungs and specifically training myself to solely breathe through my nose 
which was super difficult. Which you're trying to teach me. And it's which I'm trying to, yeah, which is, <laughs> it, it takes a while. It takes us. So I guess for you doing the kind of training after the training or, or in the gym for two or three hours, it's, it's almost atomic or automatic for you now to do that. That's kind of instilled in you. Mm-hmm. And if you don't do that, you kind of get restless and the shit starts creeping in and everything else. 100%. So I'm like, maybe the same for me. If I don't run, shit starts creeping in. So I'm like, maybe I have to deal with the shit that's creeping in first instead of chasing the kind of meditation aspect. But maybe it's, it's hand in hand. Or maybe it's just because we've got so many exterior things that are happening now in day-to-day life, social media, and all these, you know, our sources of information are coming to us so freely. Yeah. Your mind your mind then goes a little bit more crazy. So I think maybe it's not the fact that you need to work out those things. Maybe actually the, the exercise, the meditation is just helping you switch off from everything that's around us, the technology, the phones, the media, you know? So let's dive a little bit on what you do just to give some kind of background before the spiritualness and which everyone's used to from me. So fitness in the UK, I mean, what does that mean? What is the definition of that? So I'm the highest ranked British male CrossFit athlete in the UK of 2021. So it means out of all of the, and there was the open, the quarterfinals, the semifinals, and then even there was like a, a last chance qualifier piece that I had to do. So out of all of those, those four pieces, I placed the highest or higher than any other British male. There we go. There we go. Um, okay, so I, just for some statistics, so people can see the kind of growth aspect of Josh's kind of mentality or or his progressiveness in the sport. I don't know if it's familiarity. When when firstly, when did you enter the sport? So I started the sport back in 2016, I believe, towards the back end of 2016. Uh, we have this thing every year called the Open. One of the greatest things about the sport of CrossFit is anyone can sign up to the Open. So we have, you know the day-to-day gym goers as well as the elite athletes the first stage we all do together the first process and then from there it kind of vets you out and you go into the quarterfinals semifinals some of this has changed over the years um but my first ever crossfit open was in 2017 and if i'm not mistaken i was like 4000th in europe back then uh so 2017 isn't a great deal of time either compared to the growth that's happened recently absolutely so, so i mean just some statistics so I guess in regional, which is like the world, right? So regional would be your region of where you're based. So Europe. Okay, got it. So in Europe in 2016, you were 28,000th. There you go. And in the UK, you were over 1,000. Yep. In 2017, you were just under 2,000. So you nearly knocked off, you know, 800. And then you were 44th. Mm-hmm. That's a huge fucking leap. Mm-hmm. Um, 2018 is 50. Uh, 500th and then ninth in the uk 2019 150th in in europe uh so that now changed so that's where there was a change in format so that 150th was actually now became 150th in the world oh shit okay there we go there so 150th in the world and then third in the uk in 2020 i had a drop off we could talk about you did but there was a drop off you you had a drop off what why was the drop off uh if i'm honest my so my fiance amber she's a great help in everything that i do wait wait before you say that okay so you went from 150th and you doubled the rank and so you lost Mm -hmm. pretty much 100 so you went to 321st and you went from third in the uk back to 18 Mm -hmm. the top 20 Mm -hmm. so i should why do i not know this so so this kind of happened there was a period within um within mine and Amber's lives where unfortunately she lost her father. There was a lot Mm. of things going on and, you know, I did everything I could to help support and and help look after her father before he passed away. 
And then I actually had to come out to LA uh, for some work commitments for three months on my own. Now, every time when I've done, this is kind of crazy, but it's almost like she's like my spiritual being that kind of creates a better existence in me, I believe. Um, but every time that I've ever done the first stage of the open, she's been there for support, for food, for all of that stuff. And that year she wasn't there and I had a big drop. So, okay. How did that make you feel? Um, it made me kind of just realize one, it's a good thing having her around, but two, also that I need to be able to take control of my own emotions and the way I feel when I'm not with the things that make me feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. I, I would say not control your emotions. I would say, let them flow through you. Yeah. That's kind of the way I deal with my emotions now is I, I acknowledge you emotion. You're not going to get the better of me. You're here for a period. For sure. Because emotion, motion, it means it's moving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's kind of how I, how I deal with my, my kind of insecurities now. Um, and then 2021, you went to uh, 28 in the world. 28th in the world. Which is fucking incredible. And then number one in, in the UK. Yeah. And that's a, such a short period of time. Mm -hmm. And I mean, has your, again, you know, thoughts become things. And do you think it's, it's your thoughts that have driven you to the attraction of the higher ranking? Is that specifically what you wanted? Or is it more, I guess it's everything, isn't it? It's the experience. Because mm -hmm. you can't have anything until you experience it. I can sit here and go, I want to be a billionaire. But until you've experienced being a billionaire or having a billionaire's life, you cannot fathom what that experience would be to attract that notion to you. So daily goods make you great. Oh, okay. Right? So if you are good daily, you will become great. And I, I always focus on chasing the good. Oh. It's not like I'm going to be great every day. I'm going to have bad days. I'm going to have good days. But I try to focus on the consistency and good to make me great. Um, and I think this year, I mean, we've spoke quite a lot about different kind of spiritual beings and how we think and how we feel. And I can honestly say that with a little bit of your guidance this year, I actually had one of my roughest years training, obviously because of COVID. I'm sure everyone had a, had a rough year, but I you know, reverted to training in my dining room. None of the gyms were open, all of that kind of stuff. And then I came around to January of 2021 when I had to really be gearing up for my season. And I called my coach and I said to her, look, I'm not sure. I don't think this is for me this year. I think I need a bit of a break. And she said, well, you've got two options. You either do the open, you find out how fit you are, or you don't do it and we don't know anything. <laughs> and I was like, well, it doesn't sound like I've got an option. It sounds like you're telling me what to do. Yeah. And she was like, yeah, pretty much. So I kind of went into this open first. So this first kind of round of qualifiers with about four months of training or three months of training prior to it. And I trained really hard. I actually took myself out to the Middle East so that I could, so that I could train for Are you training all year round for these type of things? Yeah, you're training all year what round. What is three or four months a, a limited amount of time? It's a very limited amount okay. of time. So okay. it's not it's not a great deal of time to kind of switch on. You know, I went from drinking pints of Guinness at Christmas to then being like, okay, I need to be an athlete again, you know. Um, but still drinking. But still drinking. <laughs> but uh, we can talk about that too. Yeah. But yeah, so from January, I said, okay, well, if I'm going to do this, I have to take myself somewhere where I can do it. So I took myself to the Middle East and I was like, I'm going to focus everything I can and really put it into this. And this is where I'm going to link into that spiritual aspect. Once I did the open... And I placed so high in the open and had a really great open. My mind shifted and I was like, I am going to be the fittest in the UK. And I can, I can openly say that. And I kept saying that to, to Amber and people that are around me. I was like, I want to be the fittest in the UK. And I kept saying that. I kept saying that. And over time, I didn't even know they were going to award the fittest in the UK because there was a bit of a, a format change in the CrossFit Games this year. And it was only like three weeks ago, I got this email come through that said, you are the fittest in the UK. You placed the highest in any other British male. And it made me realize, okay... If now I'm the fittest in the mail because fittest in the UK because that's what I wanted, well next year 
<laughs> what can I achieve? Yeah. What do I want? What am I going to chase? Did, I mean, did being crowned the fittest in the UK make you happy? Um, no, because I'm already happy. Okay, there we go. Yeah. Okay. It didn't, it, didn't change my, it didn't change my happiness in the sense that it gave me validation for what I already believed. Yeah. It was like I, I knew, I, and this is going to sound a little bit egotistical, but I knew I was the fittest in the UK. And I think I can be fitter than... I don't, I don't think that's ego. I think that's, that's confidence. I think we, 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 we put such a downcasted uh, view on our ego as something that, oh, I can't be proud of myself for yeah, doing. Yeah. yeah, fucking own it. Yeah, for own sure. I'm, you are, yeah. literally, factually. Yeah. And I, and I think there's an element, like, if you don't truly believe what you are, how can you seek anything greater? You can't. It's imp- uh, ask it's imp- you shall find. It's impossible. So or is it seek and you shall find? One of the two. I think it's seek, but you're yeah. close. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so now I'm just like, well, that's what I chased. And, and I almost realized I limited my chase. Yeah. Right? I was like, I want to be the fittest in the UK. Fuck that. I want to be fittest in the world. I want to be at the CrossFit Games. I want to be performing on the biggest stage. Not one year, not two years, but consistently. Yeah. So that's now where my focus has got to change to. See, that, see when I talk about manifestations on the show, is, is, is when you go for things you want, the universe keeps giving you things to want. Mm-hmm. They don't give you the thing that you actually do desire. Mm-hmm. There's a difference between what well, you spoke about desire. There's levels. What's the next level? Yeah, what's the next level? And, and see, now I, I, I don't put a cap on things, or I try not to. Humanness, you put caps on things because there's always a, a beginning and an end when there isn't really a beginning in the beginning and there isn't really an end in the end. Um, so with, obviously manifestation is you. Everything in your life is you. So, and I know you had some, some trouble because I know – you know, Josh, my, my brother's fiance lives in, in LA mm-hmm. and he lived in the UK at the time and COVID happened and it was this kind of mad scramble of long distance, you trying to compete, you trying to, you know, explore your, your career as just as well as the fitness side of it mm-hmm. um, or aspects of it. And then there was a massive struggle for you to get back here mm-hmm. to be with her and, and to, to kind of, I, I would say, start the life that you wanted to lead. Yep. And I remember you being super stressed and super anxious and super everything else. Um, and obviously trying to give to the best advice to someone, obviously, who I love and stuff. But obviously not to a point of, if I was in that situation, I'd be like, oh, fuck this. All that type of shit. But to a point of support. Mm-hmm. How, how did that whole process make you feel? Did you turn it into kind of inspiration for what you try to do? Well, how do you get back to where you want to be? Be the mm. best at what you're doing, right? And I used, I saw CrossFit also as my avenue. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be back here. How do I get back here? Well, I've got to be, I've got to be the best so that it entitles me to be back where I want to be. So I also use that as a bit of fuel. I'm not going to lie. Outside of my training, and you know it, we spoke quite a lot. I was stressed, yeah. more stressed than I think I've ever been in my life, honestly, because it was the fear of. There was a slight fear of. Um, what if we can't be together for another year? What if, you know, we're looking to, we're getting married and, and all of that kind of stuff and we want to start a family and those kind of things. But if you put a halt, I mean, I'm 29 now. I know, I know I'm still young, but if you put a halt on your life for a year, that pushes everything back a year. So these were all these things that were going through my head. But the minute I went into the gym and I just got down to work, none of that was even apparent. It was like, okay, this is work. This is what we've got to do now. Mm. See, see, I, I always examine everyone's life situations as experiments for vindication that I'm on the right path as in thoughts and feelings and everything on the inside creature outside exterior. So when I see you stressing about something or something you don't have, the universe gives you extended time for you not to have it. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? When you, and, and it's the fear element because we, you know, we only have two emotions, love and fear. And if you, if you truly break it down, yeah, we have anxieties and depressions and 
you know, liking someone and everything else. I don't think I have any of that. Well, but I'm saying there's there's only two emotions. So love is I'm everything. Either, I'm either stressed or super happy. Well, then, yes, super happy is the love aspect yeah. of everything. It's not the romanticized no, version I, I of it. it. I get it. And then the stress version of it is the fear. Mm-hmm. Why are you stressed? Because it's your fear. You're, you're fearing something. Because you're worried you're not going to get what you want. Yeah, that's exactly it. So those are the two emotions. So um, why what I want to know is, who are you? So when I want to ask you, I'm going to dive into a bunch of spiritual stuff. I feel like we've got the, the kind of background on who you are. Actually, first, I want to dive into the because I didn't really know about like heaviness and weights. I did, obviously, but not until you started lifting insane amounts of fucking kilograms or pounds or however you want to call it. And I just pulled some stats here. And I didn't know this. I mean, Josh has mentioned the clean and jerk to me and I still don't know what the fuck a clean and jerk is. <laughs> if you watch the Olympics, actually, I don't think it's actually going to be in the Olympics anymore. They're taking weightlifting out of the Olympics. Are they? Which is crazy. But if you watch this year's Olympics, there's some weightlifting in there. So everyone knows what a back, a back squat is, just putting weights on your back and then dipping down, right? Mm-hmm. And then back up. Mm-hmm. This one says 215 kilograms. It's 220 now. Oh, so you, oh, fuck me. I mean, how much do you weigh? Uh, I weigh 92 kilos. So you're lifting more than two and you plus some change. Plus a couple of views. What, what's a snatch? So a snatch is basically taking, so you have a wide grip on the bar, bar starts on the ground, you're taking it from the floor, basically overhead in one motion. Now, so two up and up. No, there's no contact in between. So well, there might, there'll be hip contact, but imagine you take a bar with a wide grip, you're going to drive it up into your hips and send it overhead and you can either catch it in half of a squat or a full squat down yeah. in the bottom and then stand all the way up. How, how, how long do you have to hold it for? Lift. You just have to get under the bar and stand it up. And, and what's your... Uh, 130 kilos now. Jesus. Which, you know, for a snatch is, is, a, is a good weight. It's a decent weight. And a deadlift is lifting it from the floor to you... It's to the hips. To your, to your hips. Yeah, just standing up. And what's that for you? Uh, this one says 240. 240. Yeah, Jeez. 240. I actually... Um, we had... A three rep max deadlift in a qualifier that I recently did, and I pulled two thirty five for three. Oh, there we go. Yeah. What's what? Do you know what the world world record is for deadlift? Yeah, I mean it's like five hundred one kilos. Oh, but, is, that, is that what it is? Yeah, but the person that pulls five hundred one kilos is, I mean, strong man. I think I'm, I'm not sure it's either Hathor Bjornsson or Eddie Hall, one of the two. I know Eddie Hall had it at one point. He did it in a competition, and I think Hathor took it. Um, but I mean, these guys are. Is like, that like the world's strongest man type yeah, of stuff? Yeah. yeah. But they're not necessarily the fittest, right? They're no, just the strongest. They're just the strongest. So that's the difference with the sport that I do. It's not ultimately like, it's about being all-rounded. So yep. think of it like this super sport. Like how fit are you aerobically? How fit are you in strength? How fit are you in gymnastics? Okay, now let's put it all together and do all of them, yeah. right? It's almost like the ult- ultimate kind of fitness game, essentially. Yeah. You know? It's funny because, I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it's amazing to have you on the show because... I mean, people that don't know, you know, our mum was a single parent with five kids or, or however many kids there were. I, I lose count sometimes. There was a few of us. <laughs> there was a few and, of and us. some extras that came and, out. And some extras <laughs> on the side. And um, so I pretty much raised Josh. Josh's, you know, biological father wasn't really around. So I used to bath him, change him. We pretty much did everything together. We went clubbing together. We tried our first drugs together. We did that's tons why we, of shit. That's why we're fucking here now. That's why we, yeah, exactly. And Josh is following me all around the fucking world. And we're here, and, and, and it's amazing to see, the, the, again, the reason why I read out those statistics is because in such a short period of time, the, his, his will or his determination to achieve something can happen pretty much overnight if you allow it to. Mm-hmm. But, but the growth has been so substantial in terms of like 
nearly 4,000, you know, and then being ranked 4,000 in the world and then coming back to, you know, 28 in like four or five years is pretty insane mm-hmm. um, for a sport you've never done before. And Evan, bearing in mind, his background is, you know, he, what I have always known him as someone who used to be super skinny um and would be a, this is interesting now because you're describing me in a way that i've never heard you say it so let's go yeah well i was super skinny too we yeah, all were no i know, I, know. I'm, I'm, I think i'm still fucking no, super skinny it's fun because obviously we're doing this together and we have a lot of conversation we spend time around each other but we don't speak like this no right you just don't I, i'm genuinely intrigued yeah and you know we all were we were all skinny children which was we were all super active mm-hmm. you know we, we 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 were out and about um and i mean the amount of situations that we've been in is I can't, it's not even for the podcast, but <laughs> but I see the growth. I see, see, because you watched the Michael Jordan documentary, right? Fucking love it. Yeah. So again, I study evidence. Mm-hmm. He got rejected from everything mm-hmm. when he was playing basketball. He went away for one summer. Mm-hmm. He grew super high because he want, he needed, he knew he needed to be taller. Again, you could, anyone can listen and say, oh, it's crazy. You can't physically grow. You can, because I'm looking at it in front of me. You can't physically grow if your mental state is saying the opposite of what you want. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, Josh can't be as muscly as he is if he thinks he's weak. It defies the law of, of anything, the law of the universe. Also, you have to change on that because it's one thing saying, I want to be taller, I'm going to be taller. I think you have to change your focus in the sense that I remember when I was a lot smaller. You, you have no choice. You have no, yeah. Well, I remember when I was a lot smaller, a lot skinnier, um, obviously wasn't strong, and I. At one point, I was bodybuilding, and I thought looking a certain way, so having these aesthetics was the way that I had to be to be strong. And I changed my focus. And then I was like, okay, rather than trying to look this way, let me try and perform this way, mm-hmm. right? And I started focusing on performance. Then everything started to come. I, st- I don't go to the gym, and I'm like, oh, how big can I get my muscles? I'm like, I go to the gym, and I'm going to pick this weight up. Yeah. That's, that's all I'm thinking. There, there's no – and strength is another one for me because I actually got – before I got fitter, I got stronger a lot quicker than, than most um, and at one point, I believe I held the second heaviest clean and jerking CrossFit competition in history. And I, and I'm not one of the, the, I'm a bigger athlete, but I'm not that big. And I think it's ultimately because I never approach something and think I can't do it. Mm-hmm. If I step to a bar, that bar's going up. Yeah. And it's if, a, it's and a knowing. It, and if it doesn't go up, it's not because yeah. I didn't think it couldn't go up. It's because I physically just couldn't get it up. There was yeah. no, and yeah. I never, I, I've, I, I noticed that I was able to open my capacity to how I think and how I do things just by believing. Mm-hmm. And those believings are by being good consistently will make you great. Yeah. But I mean, you can ap- technically apply that knowledge to anything you do in life. Anything. Anything you pick up. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. It's just, it's just that, but again, your knowing has come from experience. Mm-hmm. When you first picked up that bar, you, 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 you thought you couldn't fucking lift it. I, well, I'll tell you why it happened. It's because people used to tell me I couldn't lift it. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? Fuck you. I can lift it. Yeah. I but can- it's, it's like that thing of, you know, we talk about World's Strongest Men and strength and fitness and all that type of stuff. But, you know, you hear stories of mums who are lifting cars off their children just by sheer will. That comes from a knowing that there is no other choice, but I have to do it right now. No choice. And we can channel that, mm-hmm. that, that kind of energy. I mean, I haven't done it because there's, no, there's no need for me to do it. But you clearly just demonstrate that you do it because you're like, there, there is no other, well, there is always another choice. But for you, not it's in just- the moment. Not in the moment. And in, that's living in the, in the now. In the moment, there's no other choice. Yeah. You know, even when I compete. So there's two things I like to do when I compete, and I've competed quite a lot, is one, I like to perform. Because yeah. I, anyone that comes out to watch me, I want them to have fun the same way I'm having fun. I'm not going to turn up on the floor and be miserable. But two, I'm, I'm there to, to really go for it. Like, yeah. I, you know, I, I don't, I never look at a competition, I'm like, 
I just want to win. That's not always the desire. My desire is based on performance and my win will come from that. You know, it's very easy. Anyone can turn up to a competition and be like, I want to win. And I'm like, actually, no, I, how, does my, how does it feel when I put my hands on this bar? How am I breathing? How am I moving? And I focus on those things. And this has recently happened for me and I've made this change and I've started progressing a lot quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, but in that moment, I, I mean, I, it sounds kind of crazy, but I would die for that lift. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to do it. You know, some people are like, oh, you, you, you're going to get injured. And I'm like, well, no, because I don't think about injury. I'm, yeah. I'm going for this and I'm competing. Yeah, I don't know that, that cloud in. No, it never comes in. It's, yeah. ne- it's never coming. That's I'm, great. I'm That's a great place gonna... to be, though. I wish I could be like that for so many things. Whether it's earning money or, you know, security in, in life or, or whatever. I think I've lost a little in terms of the now, the power of the now and the way I used to live. Of no, Well, no, I haven't really. But I'm, but I'm slowly coming off the, I feel like I'm slowly coming off the pace a little of just kind of defining what, who I am and what I want to be, who I want to be in, in certain situations. Things change. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, f- for those who don't know, I mean... Joshua's kind of me and me and my, my younger brother are super close. You know, we've we've been we used to we lived together mm-hmm. when when um when was that? Fuck, what was that like twenty five? We were twenty five. Yeah, I was twenty five. Yeah, so you was like twenty. 19 yeah <laughs> I, I mean we lived together and, we, and it was I mean, great. We pretty much done everything together. And I, and I remember being in a relationship. Uh, which was which I was heartbroken about. We broken up, super heartbroken. And I said, "Well, Josh, it looks like you're with me now because I need to get over this shit." And and then just to kind of contrast aspect day, of where bro. we came from. Every day, let's do it. We were pretty much drinking and partying and going out. I wouldn't say every day. Was it every day? I mean, it's every week, at least two, three, three times a week. It was yeah. Where the fuck did we get the money for that? I don't know. It just came from... It, it was one of the craziest times because... Well, was, I, we it, always... If I think we back were hustling. now, it was probably one of the most depressing but happy times of my life. That is true, yeah. Because that is very true. Because you can look at it now as a happy time. Mm-hmm. But during that time, you were severely... Un- I was. I was so fucking depressed. I was feeding it, off your motherfucking energy. That, that was it, wasn't it? <laughs> and it was... Yeah, it's a, it's a crazy notion to think... Because I don't, I don't really remember... I, I know bad things have happened to us, mm-hmm. per se, as growing up and experience. But I don't treat them now as things that are bad because, because yeah, because experience. Even and and that's what you know. My favorite quote, which everyone knows, on the, Marianne Williams, is people to focus too much on the crucifixion and not on the resurrection. Mm-hmm. So the crucifixion is is the experience of. I'm not saying I'm comparing my heartbreak to Jesus being crucified, but that's how it felt. I felt like I was a victim mm-hmm. in this situation. I felt like I was severely depressed and emotional and everything else. But my resurrection is now I can look back at that experience and realize I'm no longer that person. And because I've had the experience, I know who I am by, by, by that situation. Yeah, you, you've learned from it. Yeah. There's three relationships that people have in life. And I, I don't know if I'm going to get this right, but it's just <laughs> from what I've heard. You have the first one, um, which you're completely like obsessed with and you get heartbroken. So you go through that heartbreak. Yeah. Then you go through like a really good one, but it's just not right. And then you find the perfect one at the end. They say there's like three. I don't know the exact terminology for it. But I think like actually going through, everyone goes through heartbreak and acknowledging that heartbreak and being able to deal with it, at least at some point in life and kind of just brush it, get rid of it, you know, helps you move on. And like, you know, now in life, like you're so content in your relationship. You're so happy. You're so in love because you've experienced all those other things that have been associated to a relationship. And you know you're never going to feel those bad things again because you've done it. It's over. Like- Absolutely. 
Am I? Yeah, there you go. Oh. Oh, sorry, just a little mic, mic adjust. But yeah, no, it's true. And I mean, because I, I want to dive a little deeper because, you know, on the surface, I want to know p- to people to know who you are, but also know who I am mm-hmm. in relationship to my experiences. Because it's all well and good me speaking about, you know, the f- fix your mind, fix everything else. But if I haven't experienced it, there's no way I can say it. You see what I'm saying? And I run across many spiritual leaders who haven't really experienced the notion of, of what they're talking about, but are speaking on a surface level. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, and, and I think the, peop- the reason why people like well, why I speak is that I, I don't pussyfoot around shit. You feel the way you feel because of you. Yep. And that I felt the way I felt because of me. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, and I'm fully about accountability. Um, but you're right. Like I never thought of it in terms of being severely depressed, but also the happiest time, <laughs> happiest time because, well, because through, through, this is what's crazy. Right. And I think, you know, when you say <laughs> us having this conversation, talking to each other right now, there's an element of you within me and me within you. So mm-hmm. it, it feels very weird that we're having this conversation, but it's like, I've kind of lived th- through your life and you've seen elements of mine. Yeah. Um, and I think one of the reasons why it was the most depressing, but also happiest is because we were using uh, substances, substances to suppress feelings, but we were together. Yeah. And so we I, had love aspect. And it was like, yeah. you know, it, we did everything together to the point. I think we were even sharing a bed at one point because you didn't have anywhere to sleep, which literally was, which yeah. was fine. So but. for people that don't know, I, 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 when I, that relationship ended, I, I had to go back. I had no money, no jobs prospects. I had no home. This is 25 years old. So when people come to me who are like young and they're like, oh, I have no prospects. I was like, whoa. You ain't been there. <laughs> I, I didn't actually start making anything until I was like 29, 30 anyway. And that's because of the natural progress of my inst- installation in me is the older I get, the more successful I become because it's the natural law of progression in anyone. So I like to like let that go now. I know that's instilled in me. It's very difficult. Tell for, you. Well, yeah, but it's, it's very difficult for me to change that notion mm-hmm. unless I fucking practice it every day or whatever. And I like that notion. I like the fact that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm growing up and I'm experiencing. I'm more experienced I become, the more I learn, the more I feel I become successful within myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, that, that, and I can trace back again, evidence-wise to manifestation. I was probably the lowest I've ever been at my life point at that point. And what did I see on the outside? No jobs, prospects, hardly any money, didn't have a home, sharing a bed with my younger brother, who's, you know, 18, 19, uh, living back home with my mum, you know, all these type of things, my mum, my pups, and all these type of things that were happening. And I didn't at the time know that I was attracting those things ferociously. I saw her spending time with my brother and getting fucked up. That too, though. But (laughs) but that's what saved me, essentially. You know what I'm saying? That was, that's what, I also attracted was that time that was needed to heal. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? But I guess yeah, it was, it was such a beautiful period of time. And, and you know, the drugs were fucking amazing. Let's not, I'm not going to beat around the bush. You know, I can't remember the first time we tried Molly. Oh, I do. But when was that? I do. Uh, so. Which is what, what is Molly? We, we, what, we, what is we, Molly? We MDMA? can openly talk on this, right? I mean, <laughs> you're not living your truth until you speak your truth. All right. So I had a, I had a friend who, um, was supplying the goods and uh i remember we so it wasn't me it, it wasn't you definitely wasn't you but we had one evening where we sat there and i don't know what it was we were just having a few drinks listening to some fucking depressing songs and we were like we don't have a few drinks by the week well it was two bottles of vodka but. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and i remember my friend had started selling mdma um and i was like should we try it and you kind of looked at me like is this guy serious? i feel like death i want to die he was like is this guy serious give it to me yeah and then you're like okay let's try it so anyway call up my buddy he comes around 
there's a few ways you can do it. And I think we were told to like sprinkle it in our drinks to start off and do it at first. And bearing in mind, guys, like before this, I hadn't personally tried. I mean, I tried a little bit of weed and stuff, but I used to think oh, weed I- was a gateway drug. I never touched it. Never. You see like they say you end it's up like true. a crackhead or a druggie on the street. And we had tons of those living in our area. And I was like, I do not want to end up like that. So my fear element to any recreational drug, alcohol was different, was I didn't want to do it. You know, that's kind of crazy because I, for me... And I felt like I was going to die. I would be the one statistic of someone who would die just by taking something. See, now I think back to that. I remember that. Because for me, like, I had done a few drugs prior yeah. to this. So, like, actually... And I, which I didn't know about. That's, that's kind of interesting. So, I, yeah. I, I remember just being like, yeah, I'd call my buddy up. I said, come around, drop us off some stuff. We'll try it. And we sprinkled it in the drink. We, we had our drinks. We had tasted, some, I remember it tasting like shit. It tasted like shit. Yeah. We, we, we enjoyed our drink, even though it tasted like shit. And I remember it was like 20 minutes later, and I called up my friend. And I was like, yo... It's not working. It's bullshit. It work. <laughs> Why are you giving me shit that doesn't work? He was like, trust me, it's going to work. We were like, no, 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 it's not working. Come back. So he came back. He brought some more stuff. We sprinkled it in the drinks. We had it. And I don't remember anything until 11 a.m. the next morning. We stayed home, didn't we? We stayed home. We didn't go I think anywhere. that was the plan, wasn't it? And then, and then, I mean, I'll blitz through this. But the next night we were like, let's do it again. I remember we said, let's do it and film it because we don't know what happened. So we set up a camera, but we forgot to press record yeah. and we did it again. It's because it's, it's it, I guess it's the experience of it, it completely you have no notion of time at all nothing one minute everything's going super slow and next thing is super fast and next thing you're just awake next day I remember at one point I was staring in your eyes going bro look at your eyes and you're like look at your eyes yeah you're like look at your eyes I think we we're there for about an hour just going look at your eyes and I remember we had this cheap bumpy wall <laughs> bumpy wallpaper I don't know why they had that but it was I guess it was like section eight housing or council or how, what we used to call it and and we'd be staring at the bumps and I'd be like, wow, these bumps are actually quite beautiful. Never noticed that before. <laughs> For me, the bumps represented that, that we were poor. Yep. Always have been. But everyone around you, all your friends had the bumps too in terms of the wallpaper. So you're like, oh, this is fine. But Which yeah, but it's true. When I walk into a place now that has that kind of chip wallpaper, I don't like it. No, neither do I. Yeah. So yeah. It's, that, it's that poor mind that yeah. we used to have. It's not yeah. even about... And then you start thinking... Like now I think about... Imagine the mental state of our parents... Well, the mental state of everyone, it was just like energy. Because I talk about collective consciousness and why the world is in the state it's in, not relation to my family or anything else. But, you know, we collectively, if we are individually manifesting everything we want, we are also collectively doing it. So the the way you think, the way I think is collectively adding to the universe's collectiveness, Mm -hmm. let alone, you know, my wife or my daughter or, you know, your wife or, you know, our parents, their parents the cousins, brothers, and then friends and the whole world's individual manifestations add into the whole collectiveness. And then you know someone's mental state by what's around them. Yeah, That's my evidence of, yeah. of knowing because I, I can read people so well because of what they have around them. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it, The company you keep shows the kind of way you're feeling. True, absolutely. So, uh, so it's crucial. I mean, if someone in your group isn't you're not vibrating with the group mentality is very crucial for you to leave that group. Make a quick change. Quick change. And I've started doing that even quicker as I get older. Yeah. More me, I just, I'm a hermit. So I'm just like in my own company anyway. I mean, I'm the only person you see. So. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Josh comes over every morning and to, to, to see the little one and we go for a run and stuff. But yeah, I mean, th- those experiences, I mean, because we laugh about him, but at the time, bef- not during the drugs because you're fucking on cloud nine, but you're so anxious and depressed and the life situations and well, you know the jobs prospects and you think your life is like completely at an end when it's over. just the beginning it's the, come, yeah. the you you realize it in the come down 
you realize it in the come down. That's yeah. where you really realize yeah. it. You realize, that, yeah. you realize how unhappy you are in the come down. Yeah. I actually had a, a, a great guest, you know, Michael Benson, who is, uh, is an avid listener on the show. And I, I don't want him to, to think like this is anything that we're, we're doing because he's a recovering, recovering drug addict. Mm-hmm. But super brave and super – and he opened my eyes to the conversation of someone who actually – we could have easily become that. Mm-hmm. And I think we could have in a sense because of we were, we were doing it consistently – um, and I do remember the time we actually did go out when we were high on it. And it mm. was the most mind boggling thing I think I've ever experienced. Yep. Cause I remember, cause I'm someone who's a planner. So when we go out, so if me and Josh go out, we're drinking a certain amount of alcohol before we get in because no one can afford drinks at the club. Yep. We know the time that we're turning up there. And we know the in. time we're getting up cause there's, we're rolling with, you know, two or three guys. We don't really roll with women and stuff. So you gotta be, there you, right you gotta be early there. enough yeah. for them to be like, Oh, it's okay. Just going to go in and have a drinks. And then you kind of, you have to time it. It has to be like a perfection. You can't drink too much. Otherwise, you, you, you end pregame because you dip out mm-hmm. and then you'll be left at home. Happy and no, uh, not for me. Mm-hmm. And for George. For George, yeah. <laughs> but, but that's another, that's another situation. And, and I remember taking MDMA before we went out and was like, we're going we're gonna to go out at this time. And bearing in mind when you're in line at the club, you're, you're drunk as hell and you're, you're acting sober. And we became very good at this. Very good at this. So the security would be like, oh, you're right, guys. All right, mate. You know, uh, how's it going? Oh, how's your night? You know, da, 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 all the small talk. And then you go in and you're fucking legless. Yep. And then every man would buy a round. So that'd be three rounds. And then you're That's fucked. It, That's it. You're fucked. And then you have to worry about getting home, which is usually a night bus or something else. Um, but I remember going out high on, on, on MDMA and we were flying. And I remember we're going to go out. We're going to leave at 10 p.m. And I remember us going out. It was like 1130 because the time had just flown mm-hmm. and we get, we turn up at, at the bar. I think it was in Hawks Shoreditch. Shoreditch. Yep. That's it. We turn up at Shoreditch and I remember, cause we knew the door guy very well and he looked at us and started laughing and, and you, you cause you're into yourself and you're like, can he see that I'm high? Does he know that I'm rolling on, you know, he, he knew what was going on. class drugs or whatever. And you're just like, and he was laughing and our pupils must've been so wide and black that you couldn't even see the definition of any color in anyone's eyes. And we went with another friend of ours and we went in and I remember we did a circle, heard the music, had a little boogie and then we did a full circle and then we walked straight back out. That was it. Because we were like, oh, we had a great time in there, didn't it? It lasted ages. So not only did we arrive late, we only stayed for like five minutes thinking we'd been there for about five hours. No concept of time. No concept of time. And then got home and we're like, looked at our clocks. I was like, well, it's only 1230. What the fuck are we doing? (laughs) And then we, and then it, and then it's just a mad one. You can't even really remember, but you remember. Yep. Anyway, enough about the drugs. Yeah. Let's but, move but, on. But it's interesting because I, I do think like, I, I, I'm, there was a point in my life where I thought I was, I was on, the, I mean, I am on the straight and narrow and whatever, but there was a point in my life where I, I don't thought, think there is a straight. I think it's just, well, you are just doing you. Just doing what I'm doing. Yeah. But there was a point where I was like, I can't talk about that stuff. I can't show it because I'm an athlete. I yeah. can't show that side of what I had, but actually that side of what I had made me what I am right now. Exactly. And, I, and I'm proud of it. I'm proud of those moments. And I think like, yeah, I know there is like a, there's probably something deeper to this. And I know there are, you know, recovering alcoholics and, and, and all of that stuff. And they might find the pressure in these sort of elements. But actually I think what it shows is we had enough maybe not always but enough positive vibrations around us that was able to pull us out of that yeah absolutely and, and it flipped it yeah 100 percent. So. and again it's it's you're defined you can define yourself by what you are not mm-hmm. so at that time you took the drugs and alcohol 
you can define yourself now as by not doing that stuff. Mm-hmm. That's who, you know, that, and, but the opposite. You see what I'm saying? 